Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. This is Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumblings.com. Finally, behind the microphone once again. Um, had a little bit of some health-related problems last week, so we weren't able to bring you the podcast as normal on Wednesday. On Tuesday, I headed out to Buffalo. I live in Rochester, New York, and I headed to Buffalo to go to the Labatt Brew House and a bunch of other uh, places with my brother and some of our friends. And as soon as I got to the Labatt Brew House, I started feeling under the weather. By the end of the night, I just, I wasn't feeling well at all. And that was on Tuesday because I knew I had Wednesday off to record our podcast. Well, I woke up Wednesday and I felt absolutely awful. I had a fever. I, I mean, I had the flu. So I uh, didn't record the podcast on Wednesday. I stayed in bed all day. I was all in bed all day on Thursday. And finally, um, started to get up and about uh, by Friday, but um, decided not to record the podcast last week because I was a bit under the weather. So thanks, everyone, for sticking around uh, for you know two weeks off since our last podcast. Uh, and of course, lots of stuff has happened in the interim. So we can have plenty to talk about on this week's uh, podcast. We've got questions flowing in, lots of voicemails, and uh, at least one from Twitter. So before we do that, I wanted to remind you of how you can get in touch with the show and leave your questions for next week's episode. The first way is to call us at 716-508-0405. You can text that number as well, but we always prefer the audio because it's better for the podcast. You can send us a tweet at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. And you can always send us messages on Facebook. You can leave comments in the comment section of our show notes that post every Wednesday when our podcast posts on buffalorumblings.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. You can send us an email to buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Buffalo Rumblings is one word there. So uh, please send us in your questions for next week. Um, and now it's time for the question I'm getting a lot. This week's question I'm getting a lot might sound a little bit dated because I was hearing it a lot more a week and a half ago than I am now, but it has to do with the Bills' most recent free agent signing, Spencer Long, the interior offensive lineman, uh, signed what some are calling a pretty rich deal. So the question I am getting is, is Spencer Long worth the big contract the Bills gave him? The answer is, Yes and no. Uh, so two years ago, Long was playing for the Washington Redskins, had a very nice year for them, comes off that, signs a big contract with the New York Jets, 
and injures his hand in 2018, kind of falls flat on his face, uh, has all these kind of incentives and weird clauses built into his contract. So the Jets have to release him something like three days after the Super Bowl. So he hits free agency before everybody else does, and he's able to land this deal with Buffalo. Buffalo is going to pay him $1.3 million between now and the start of training camp for a roster bonus and a workout bonus. And he's got a base salary of $1.35 million, and that's payable in one-seventeenth increments over the course of the NFL season, <clears throat> one per week. Uh, then he has per-game roster bonuses. So every time he's on the roster, the 53-man roster, he gets $15,625 per game, up to $250,000. And then every game he's active for, he gets uh, $62,500, up to a million dollars. That's a lot. Plus, he gets incentives for playing time and the team reaching seven wins up to $800,000. So he's got over $2 million of incentives built into his contract. The The long and short of it is that the Bills are probably going to end up paying him um, you know, $3 million, $4 million, somewhere in that neighborhood for the 2019 season, which puts him as one of their starting options at either guard or center. And right now they don't really have any of those. They've got Russell Bodine who could hold down the fort at center, but they could certainly upgrade from him. They've got Wyatt Teller at left guard who, who knows what their plan is with him. And if they're just going to kind of hand him the keys in his second season, they've got nobody slotted in at right guard. So I consider long to be a really nice insurance policy that the bills are paying for. You don't pay for insurance to get rich. You pay for insurance to protect yourself. So if the bills end up paying whatever it is, $4 million to, to long in 2019, just to be their backup at all of the interior line positions, that's fine with me. If they somehow can get, you know, they say they really want Teller to play left guard and they sign Matt Paradis or Mitch Morris at center. Then they draft a right guard who beats out long in training camp. I'm okay with them keeping him around at $4 million for, um, for his interior O-line expertise. Plus he can help out some of the younger guys maybe, or something like that. So then heading into 2020, the bills don't have any money on the books for long in 2020. Uh, they can not pick up his option for the following season and he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Buffalo gets the option of using him. Well, not the option. Buffalo would be able to use him in their compensatory pick formula because he'd be an unrestricted free agent from the bills and they don't have to release him. So I, I just don't see the downside of this deal right now. If, if he's active for all the games, it's $4 million. That's cool. I'm fine with that. It's not like the bills are hurting for money. They've got something like you know 75 to $80 million in cap space. So while a lot of people were complaining that Buffalo overpaid for this guy, and maybe they did, but they overpaid for a guy that they know can come in and play well. He proved it two years ago in Washington, uh, did not prove that with the Jets a year ago, but again, he hurt his hand and he's trying to do shotgun snaps with a hurt hand. It didn't really work out. Shocker. So I'm actually really okay with the long deal. Um, it's a touch on the high side, but because so much of it's incentive-based, they are protected a little bit. If he gets injured, then they don't have to pay him the you know per game active bonuses, and they don't have to 
pay him the per game roster bonuses and things like that. And he probably won't earn the playing time incentives and stuff like that. So I'm really okay with the Spencer long deal, even though for a while, some people got their hair kind of all in a tizzy over it on Buffalo rumblings.com and on the Twitter, because people were just like, Oh, get out that bills cannot possibly add anybody else other than Spencer long, because they paid him $4 million. They won't be able to pay, you know, Matt Paradis, $11 million a year, or they won't be able to pay Mitch Morris $9 million a year. Ah, the world's on fire. I, I don't see that at all. The Bills have plenty of cap space. They've got plenty of young players along the roster. If they want to eat $4 million just so that they know they don't have to turn to Ryan Groy or Russell Bodine in, in 2019, I'm okay with that. And uh, I think you should be too. Let's get on to the rest of the questions. Hey, Buffalo Rumbling. Kendrick, number three here, calling from the Hall of Fame city of Canton, Ohio. My question is, do you think replacing Kyle Williams is such a need this year? After he retired, a lot of people, fans, and draft experts think Buffalo needs to put a priority on replacing him. But with Star, Harrison, and possibly retaining Jordan Phillips, I don't think D-line is such a big need. The resources should probably be spent elsewhere. I think picking up a rotational defensive tackle should probably be enough. What do you think? Thanks. Bye. Kendrick, nice to hear from you. Kendrick is one of our moderators at buffalorumblings.com. He's one of the guys that goes through the comment section to make sure that you know no one's swearing or attacking other commenters and is definitely one of the reasons we have the best comments section uh, on the internet, not just the Bill's internet, but on the internet. And that is not puffery. I will put my stamp on that. I think we have one of the most engaged fan bases at buffalorumblings.com. And part of that is because Kendrick, uh, Jeff Kontrowski, who is, uh, you might know, a scarecrow on the website, and the rest of our moderators really do a great, great job of um of moderating those comments in the comment sections to make sure they don't get out of hand and get ugly. So uh, thank you for all you do, Kendrick. Now let's get back to your question. I do think it's actually important to replace Kyle Williams with a very good player in the 2019 offseason. And uh, let's pull apart one of the things you said. You said possibly retaining Jordan Phillips. I don't think that's a given. I think Phillips is going to want starter level money and, uh, the Bills have seen him and how he works and things like that. They they saw him in Miami where he wasn't giving 100%. Uh, he had to come into Buffalo, prove himself again, and and really worked hard. Uh, Phillips might be a guy, Jordan Phillips, uh, might be a guy that really does have to work for his dinner every single season, maybe week to week, month to month. Um, and giving him, say, you know, a, a three- or four-year deal uh, might make him complacent. It's what happened in Miami, or at least part of what happened in Miami. So I'm not as I'm not as gung ho on the re-sign Jordan Phillips. He's the answer at defensive tackle, as as some as much as some people are. Um, yeah, he hypes up the crowd, but I don't know if he's some great defensive tackle. I think he's a very good rotational piece that the Bills could rely on if they want to. But I also think that he's probably going to command a little bit more money than the Bills are going to want to spend, or maybe more years than the Bills are going to want to commit to. So I don't know if it's a given that Jordan Phillips is going to be back. At the rest of your question, um, is Kyle Williams' departure, does that is that something that needs to be addressed? Absolutely. Um, even if you bring back Phillips, you're still missing 
about 60% of Buffalo's defensive uh, snaps from last year. And so bringing in what you call the rotational piece, if you think that Phillips can step in to say the 60% starter role, they're going to need that 40% rotational piece. And that's not just like a guy. You need a guy that can play a significant number of snaps. Um, he's a very different guy than Harrison Phillips was. They need that kind of penetrating defensive tackle. And even Jordan Phillips isn't really that penetrating defensive tackle kind of player. So I would rather see them go out, especially with who's available at the top of the draft. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they waited for a whole bunch of guys to slip down to number nine with quarterbacks coming off the board, things like that. And they took one of the top, you know, two or three defensive um, defensive tackle prospects that fell to them at number nine and really used a premium pick on that. It's a position that's becoming more and more valuable in the NFL. You're seeing Aaron Donald and a whole bunch of other people prove generating pass rush on other teams' passers with four down linemen has been something we've been talking about since Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were chucking it all over the place. What seems like a decade ago now, it probably was um, generating pass rush with that front four when the New York giants were able to, to stop the, the Brady perfect season. Uh, being able to get pressure up the middle is super important in that and penetrating defensive tackles can really help with that situation. I don't think the bills have three or four guys on their roster right now that can do that, even if you bring back Phillips. So I would rather see them spend a premium pick on what's becoming a more premium position, which is that penetrating pass rushing kind of defensive lineman. Um, they subbed Lorenzo Alexander into that role just a little bit last year. But again, he's 35 years old. He's not going to be doing it for very long. So they need to get a long-term answer for what they're going to do in the middle of the defensive line on passing downs and with that penetrating defensive tackle spot not be opposed to them either signing you know a legitimate free agent starter to come in and do that or drafting a guy in the first maybe the second round to do that they have the draft capital to do that they have the free agency capital to do that there's just no reason for them not to um and again i don't think harrison phillips is the answer at that position i think he's a very good player i don't think jordan phillips is the answer at that position i think he's a very good player but they're just both so different from what kyle williams brought to the table as a pass rusher and just a guy that was able to get in and disrupt the backfield with his quickness thanks again for your question and thanks for everything you do at buffalorumblings.com we'll be right back after this message Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. 
one app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Our Twitter question of the week comes from Rogério Ribeiro, tweeted this in all the way from Brazil, a place I've never been, but I love your steakhouses. What would be your first big business in free agency this offseason? And that was said to us at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter with the word and spelled out in the middle. Thank you so much for tweeting us for all the way from Brazil. That's pretty awesome. Um, well, I think I've answered this before, and if I haven't, I want to be at least as emphatic now as I was then. The number one goal of free agency is to get enough talent around Josh Allen where he can be successful in 2019 and beyond. And I think that starts right in the middle of the offensive line. They need a guy at center. Matt Paradis or Mitch Morris, you heard me mention them in the earlier segment today. They need a guy that can come in and help Allen learn how to be an NFL quarterback, that can help him come in and learn about blitz pickup, about setting protections, about all the stuff that goes into the pre-snap reads of the defensive line and the linebackers. And I think Matt Paradis uh, is a perfect candidate for that. I think Mitch Morris is another great candidate for that. Um, if it's going to be Spence Long, at least Long has you know a pretty good career in the NFL, worked with a younger Kirk Cousins, um, worked with a rookie in Sam Darnold last year. So he has some experience working with young guys. I just, I really want them to solidify the interior of their offensive line. Beyond that, if they add a serviceable right tackle, I don't know how much better he's going to be than Jordan Mills, who was a right tackle in 2018, but it'll probably be an upgrade. They need uh, pass catchers. Um, a tight end would be perfect for them, but I don't want them to do that in free agency. So you asked about free agency. What? How would I attack free agency? I don't love any of the wide receivers out there. Don't love any of the running backs out there. Don't love any of the tight ends out there. So in free agency, I want them to attack the offensive line, solidify that up, make Josh Allen happy, give him a pocket, help him read the field, help him learn and develop all those skills that go into being a quarterback before the snap. And that's key. Setting those offensive line protections is something that will help him prepare for what happens after the snap. And I don't know if that was always the case in 2018. There's a lot of times that he didn't do anything to change anything about um, uh, the blocking setups and schemes and stuff like that. And he had veterans in front of him in Russell Bodine and Ryan Groy. So solidifying all that stuff is really my number one priority in free agency. Thanks so much for the question from Brazil and go Bills. (laughs) 
Next up, we go back to the phones at 716-508-0405. Hello, this is Hunter Wilbur Cummins, known as HLC underscore 43 on Twitter. I'm calling from Marshall Park, New York. And my question is, can we sign Demarius Thomas for a cheap and inexpensive deal to try to bolster our wide receiver core? Thank you. Hi, Hunter, and thanks for calling Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Tiberius Thomas is a very interesting case. Uh, He was traded by the team that really loves him. Uh, He loves the fans of Denver and uh, was a career Bronco before the trade deadline in 2018 when he was traded to the Houston Texans. Uh, He played in seven games uh, for the Texans this year, only catching 23 balls uh, for 275 yards in Houston. Uh, His numbers in Denver weren't much better than that. Obviously a little bit subpar quarterback play had to deal with that in Denver, but the, uh, the, the more concerning thing about Thomas was how his season ended. He uh, ruptured his Achilles in his last game of the season uh, for the Texans. And that's concerning for a speed receiver of Thomas's age. He is, how old is he? 31 years old. Yeah, just turned 31 years old. Um, he's already had uh, a problem with his other leg uh, that he was able to come back from, admittedly. But that was a lot longer ago in his career. He is a speed receiver. And if you're going to count on you know, a 31-year-old guy to just bounce back and be the same player he was, after that kind of injury, when he relies so heavily on his speed, I just think it's um, I think it's a little bit asking a lot. And I don't because the, the injury happened so late in the season, he's probably not going to be eighty or eighty-five or ninety percent until halfway through the season, if not later. So, if the Bills are looking for somebody to come in and gel with Josh Allen, he's not going to be able to do anything in the offseason, nothing during training camp, nothing during the first month of the season. Um, I just don't see him as a fit for what Buffalo is trying to build in the wide receiver room. And that's not to say he's not going to be a good player ever again. He might even come back in November and December of 2019 and, uh, you know, be solid for a team, maybe even be a late season signing for a team. But I just don't think that right now is the right time to sign him, even though he is a free agent Um, signing him now. I mean, I don't even know if he'd be able to pass the physical now, but Signing him and you know just hoping that he's going to build his chemistry by sitting in the training room or rehabbing just you know doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm not going to be counting on him for 2019 at all if I do sign him, and you know just kind of maybe washing the slate clean and saying, hey, when you're 32 and come back in 2020, we hope that you're going to be good. I just I don't see the Bills doing that. I don't think that they're in a position to be in you know wing in a prayer territory right now for for 2019. I think they need to really develop their, uh, their young quarterback and they need guys that are going to be on the field in order to do that. So he's just not a guy that fits just because of the timing of the injury more than anything else. And that's unfortunate, but I think it's the reality of the NFL and of Thomas. Back to the phones at 716-508-0405. This is Scott Brassel from Watertown, New York, originally from Buffalo. 
Uh, I was wondering what the chances are of the Bills signing uh, Le'Veon Bell, um, trading for um, Brown from the Steelers, and um, now adding Jesse James as well from the Steelers. Um, you move those three Steelers to our offense, and then we can concentrate on the O-line and D-line in the draft. Um, what are your thoughts of bringing those three Steelers over to Buffalo? Thank you. Well, thanks for your call. And um, that would certainly be an unprecedented amount of, you know, one team going to another team in an offseason, especially when you take out, like, say, a coach moving or something like that. Um, taking them all three individually, um, I think James is the most likely to end up in Buffalo. He's a free agent. Um, he's on the young side. He's a guy that could come in and uh, stabilize the tight end position for them. Uh, there's already a rumor out there. I can't remember where it came from um, or a report that the bills are interested in possibly adding James, the tight end from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like I said, that wouldn't surprise me. I would probably prefer that they go after one of the top tight ends in this year's excellent uh, 2019 NFL draft class. But if they get James and draft a guy in like, you know, the third or fourth round uh, to develop, I'll, I'll be okay with that. So I think he's the most likely. I think after that, um, you would probably think that Brown would be the next guy on the list um, of most likely, uh, just because if the Bills could you know, send a, what, a second round pick or third round pick, or maybe they would even go up to a first. I don't really know. For you know, a 32-year-old Antonio Brown, um, again, not really a guy I want on the Bills. I think I went over this a couple weeks ago. Um, not if he's unhappy in Pittsburgh and not afraid to speak up and throw Ben Roethlisberger and, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers under the bus, I just don't know what he's going to do with a rookie quarterback going into his second season. I just think Brown might be too big of a personality for the bills to handle. Even LaShawn McCoy had some rough patches in 2018, both on the field and off the field. And, um, I don't think his mentality took away from anything that the Bills were trying to do on offense, but I think Brown has that capability to take away from what the Bills are trying to do. And even if it's Allen forcing the ball to Brown because, you know, AB says something in the huddle or something to the media or something like that, I think that would be enough for the Bills in the development of their rookie, well, second year now quarterback. So um, I, I don't really want him on the bills and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think there's going to be better teams for him. Buffalo would have to move on from LaShawn McCoy before they were able to, to sign Le'Veon Bell. And, um, you know, I just think they like LaShawn McCoy a lot. And so, I mean, sure. You could add all three of those guys and Buffalo could have a much better offense, but I don't know if all three of those guys fit. And if you did that, you'd be adding a ton of money on aging veterans um, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of maybe $30 million, um, almost half of the available money you have for free agents on three skill position players. And then how do you fix the offensive line? Um, you're going to take a, a right tackle with your first round pick. And then how do you address guard? How do you address your depth stuff? How do you address the defensive line with Kyle Williams gone? I just, I don't know if adding, you know, a high price running back, a high price wide receiver and, um, a pretty good contract for a tight end is the best way to overhaul your offense, especially with 
what these guys have gone through the last few years with Antonio Brown's kind of fallout with the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell's fallout with the Steelers and not even playing in a year. I just, I, they're, I'm not big fans of how they went about it. And really thinking from say Brandon Bean's perspective or Sean McDermott's perspective, I don't know if they have kind of the, that cachet to you know, bring an Antonio Brown in and be like, you know, you're going to do what you're supposed to, you're going to fit in this process. I don't know if they have the cachet to do that with Le'Veon Bell. Um, I just, I don't see how those two guys fit around this super young offense that really can, can lean toward a big face that's being put onto it. And if it's LaShawn McCoy on the field, who was able to get through a bad season in 2018 and, you know, not have a blow up or at least publicly, um, then so be it. I, I just don't see where adding fuel to the fire of a second year offense is, is necessarily the best way to go. Even though those guys have so much talent, they do. Antonio Brown is such a good receiver. I think talent wise, I would want him over the other two guys, but you know, all three of them at once, I think would be a really, really significant development. And um, I don't even know if it would be good. I don't know what their relationship is between Bell and Brown um, or anything like that. It would just be very strange to see that happen in one offseason. Thanks again for your question, and uh, go Bells. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Again, my name is Ben Matt Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief at Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, Please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, Tell at least one friend about it that you heard this awesome Buffalo Bills podcast. Uh, Go rate us on the iTunes store. It helps other people find us. Um, Maybe retweet our podcast. Anything to help spread the word about Buffalo Rumblings Q&A would be appreciated. Also, we're always looking for good questions for next week's episode, you can send us a voicemail at 716-508-0405. That's 24 hours a day. You can send us a text message there too, but the audio is better. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. You can leave us a Facebook message. You can email us at buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can send us an Instagram message. You can leave a comment in the show notes at buffalorumblings.com every week. We really appreciate how we cannot do this show without the questions we get from you, the listeners. Uh, Thanks to all of you that uh, submitted questions this week from all over the Western Hemisphere. Make sure to download Circling the Wagons and Blitz Bills, which is coming back this week uh, from those guys. And we'll catch you next week. I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. 
Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 